Great to be together at the 2.30 service and uh, joy to, to bring you the message. We're uh, coming to the end of a series on the wells of revival. What a great theme. Anybody enjoyed that? It's last month and uh, Christian was talking last week on apostolic vision to do with the theme of uh, wells of revival. And this week, our last topic, we're looking at the topic of the oil that never runs dry. How many know the oil never runs dry? Amen. Come with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. We're going to get there in a minute. Today we're talking about oil. The oil that never runs dry. You know, in the natural world, oil is a vital thing that we need. Some of you may have heard it said that one day our world may run out of oil. Some experts and who study this whole area say that our world is running out of oil. Oil is found in the earth and uh, people drill for it. But some people are saying, of course, that we're going to have to find other sources of energy. What do we do with the oil that we find in the earth? Well, we make gasoline. We heat our homes. We uh, use it for our cars. Well, we're supposed to use it for our cars. (laughs) We use it for cooking. Any cooks here? Amen. Okay. We use it for all kinds of different things. We use oil to make things, and uh, oil is a great source of energy. When you have oil, in other words, you have power. In fact, I will always uh, remember a a very painful uh, story that uh, a number of years ago in my early days of driving, I remember getting hold of uh, a very quite a cheap car from this auction, and I had it for a while, and I was traveling all all around the place with it, and uh, one particular day I was going from A to B, and all of a sudden... The car just packed up and died on me. Oh, and uh, anyway, what happened? The engine died. Why did the engine die? Because I didn't put oil in it. And uh, I learned a painful, of course, lesson back then that uh, any car that you have on the road, whether it's new, whether it's old, needs what? Needs oil. So a good reminder to anybody though out there who needs to put oil in their car. But this is very similar to how our relationship with God works. People who uh, go about their Christian lives need the power, need the oil to do the things that they need to do. Amen? God is the source of power and energy. God is the source of all our energy. And the wonderful thing about God is our source of energy and oil is that He will never run out. Amen? There will always be plenty of energy and oil because God is overflowing with it. We can run out of all kinds of different things, all kinds of many many materialistic things, but thank God we will never run out of oil that God provides. That means that all of us get our oil and get our energy from one source, from one place. That's God. The power supply is... Is God. There's, uh, thank God that there is no energy crisis with God. Amen. There's no power crisis with the Lord. God is always overflowing with energy and power and oil. Now, just before we come to our topic or main topic this afternoon, we look at two kings. In the Old Testament, the term anointing was used in various ways. The anointing was connected to the application of oil. Oil was used to to anoint the tent of meeting, uh, the Ark of the Testimony. These were during the days of Moses and the Ark. 
uh, the table and all its articles, the oil was applied to the lampstand, the altar of incense, and all the things used for the offerings. And so the anointing was said to be upon the holy things. And so the oil in the Old Testament was a big deal. Everybody needed oil. Oil was also burned in lamps for illumination, which is interesting, of course, when you think of the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. Also, the anointing was used for the consecration of priests and kings. So the same oil that was used to anoint holy things was also used to anoint priests and kings. And so the Spirit of God came upon them when oil was applied and power came upon them. They were set apart. There was an empowerment for a specific purpose. God anointed them for a purpose. Even King David said, said this. He said, you anoint my head with oil. Remember that? And when the oil came upon him, when he was anointed to be the next king of Israel, as soon as that oil came upon him, his life was changed forever. God launched him from a natural life into the supernatural life. When the oil came upon him, it was, there was like a, a supernatural power that came upon him. Supernatural skill as a musician, as a warrior. He was supercharged with an anointing. And so you see all of these cases with where the oil was used. Even in the Old Testament days, oil was an important and vital thing to have. Everybody needed oil. So we're looking at 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. Read with me here. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Hallelujah. I wonder if any of you here today have ever run out of time. How many have ever run out of time before? How many have ever run out of options before? Run out of resources? Okay, so this applies for many of us here this afternoon. Because this widow had run into a big problem. This wasn't a small deal. This, this was a big deal. She ran into a, a huge problem in her life and her family. But thank God there was nothing like a problem to connect her with God. Amen? There was nothing like a huge problem to connect her to the resources of God. And in our text, this widow had lost her husband, who was really her only source of living. She had lost her earthly possessions. She had no money. She had no food. She had no income. She had, if you like, no government program to apply to. All she had was two sons. And the creditors were about to come and take them as their slaves. 
because that's what the law permitted back then. If you couldn't pay your debts, then they took your sons. In those days, there was no, of course, life insurance. There was no retirement plan or social security that we have today. No welfare system. And maybe I'm speaking to some of you here today. You come to the end of your rope in a spiritual sense. Maybe you're here and you've come to the end of your resources. You've come to the, to the end of your own abilities. But I love what Philippians 4.19 says. It says this, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Shall I read that again? My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Can I hear you say amen? That means our God is our supplier. Our God is your provider. Our God is the one who meets not just some of your needs, but every one of your needs. The woman here in this scripture was experiencing a crisis. And I want us today just to kind of imagine, if you like, what was actually happening in this story. Because, of course, it was a real story. These are not just some words written on a page. This is a real story that took place. The widow's resources are exhausted. The family, of course, is being threatened. Panic is, of of course, gripping her heart. And for some of you, maybe this is what you've been facing in your own life. It says a husband who, Scripture says, was a godly man. In other words, he feared God. Was a son of the prophets. In other words, he was quite a significant person. But he had died. And as a son of the prophets, he was probably someone who was being trained for the ministry. Maybe that's why he didn't have very much money in the beginning days. But anyone, of course, if, you know, anybody, um, maybe if you look at even a today's example, nobody, of course, in, w- would go into ministry for the money. But then, of course, she's left with all of these debts that she had to handle without a husband around. And she has sold all of her possessions in her attempts to, of course, get the creditors away. But the day eventually came, as we read, when she had... Nothing left to sell. She had sold everything that she had. She had sold, if you like, her furniture, all the fixtures, everything that she had was gone. And the creditors are demanding that her two sons be sold into slavery to remove the debts. How many know that's a desperate situation to be in? And I imagine she was probably someone who was laying awake nights trying to figure it out in her mind every night. She, was, she couldn't get any sleep because she was trying to solve the problem, but there was no solution. She was on her own. The only things, of course, were probably in her, in her house, in her mailbox, were those you know, eviction notices, those, those bills that she had to pay, those threatening letters. But the good news is, of course, is that she came to the right place. Amen? Everybody say, she came to the right place. She came to God. She eventually came to God. And so she decides to take her problems to Elisha, the prophet of God. And of course, people knew who Elisha was. And so Scripture says that this woman cried out to Elisha. In other words, she didn't just come to him and and talk to him. She cried out to him. This shows that there was some sense of urgency. There was some sense of emergency. Sometimes if we want to get a hold of God's attention, there's got to be that urgency within us, amen? That says, God, we need you to break in and help us. She comes to Elisha and she says, my husband fear God, 
In other words, she says, my husband loved God. My husband served God. But now where is God when I need him? So Elisha said to her in response, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing. Note that word, nothing. In the house but a jar of oil. Now Elisha asked this lady two questions. First question, of course, was what can I do for you? And of course, the second was, what do you have in your house? How many know that's a bit of a weird question to ask? You know, you go to someone to ask for a favor or some help, and they say, what's in your house? That's a weird response. But in other words, I think we could apply it today in our context. God would say to us, what do we have that God can use to multiply? What gift What possession, what talent do you have that God can use to multiply? Very often, I I think in our Christian lives, there are things that we overlook and we underrate that we never notice, but those are the things that God wants to use to multiply in your life and your family. But listen to what she said. She said, I have nothing. I wonder how often maybe we've said that to the Lord. Lord, I've got nothing. I got nothing to give. Lord, I feel useless. Lord, I, I, I always feel like my Christian life, like, like I'm just, you know, just about living, just scraping by, just kind of scraping the barrel. But see, she was about to find out what God could do with nothing. Amen? She was about to figure out what God could do with nothing and that God can take her nothing and make it everything. Amen? Because sometimes when you're down to nothing, God can be up to something. It looks like there's nothing going on, but God is doing something behind the scenes. He's doing a miracle. He's bringing a breakthrough somehow. She said, all I have is this little jar of olive oil. And she didn't realize it at the time, time, but in that jar of oil was an oil well. In that little jar of oil, a small amount, was a gold mine. The Hebrew word for jar is a word that uh, literally means flask. It was quite possibly the flask of anointing oil that was uh, used to anoint the servants of God. And this is, of course, significant for this story because it's likely that this oil was not just ordinary oil. This was holy oil. It was the anointing oil that her husband probably would use from time to time when he was ministering in the name of the Lord. And out of this jar, the fullness of God's power and his provision was about to flow. You see, this woman already had all that she needed. She had an oil well that was sitting right there in her kitchen. And she didn't even realize it. Let me tell you this today, that there's an oil well here at Kensington Temple. There is a heritage to redig here at Kensington Temple. There are wells of revival to redig here at Kensington Temple. A heritage that is uh, so rooted in signs and wonders and miracles that we can tap into when we redig the wells. Amen. And if you're a child of God here today, 
If you're a son or daughter, if you belong to God, you have that same oil well right now. He is called the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have the Spirit of God living in you. He is the oil. And that means that there is no need in your life that the Holy Spirit cannot meet. How many believe that? There is nothing that he can't do. So we often, I think, underestimate the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this in a book, Joy Unspeakable, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said that the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, is the most overlooked member of the Trinity in our Christian life. Which is why we live defeated lives, we live uh, you know, powerless lives and purposeless lives. So Elisha, coming back to the story, said to the woman, this is what you now need to do. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars and don't ask for just a few. In other words, you've got to find as many empty jars as you can. Oh, note that the prophet did not tell her to go and borrow some food or to go borrow some oil or to go and borrow some money to get a loan or, or, or whatever it was. He said to go and borrow as many empty jars as possible. Now, I reckon that this widow's poverty must have been known all around the area where she was. And so when she had to approach her neighbors and ask for loads of empty jars and empty containers, they were probably thinking, why on earth does she need these empty containers? Probably thinking to themselves, what on earth is she going to put in them? And probably for her, for the widow, and logically, it didn't make any sense. Why would God tell me to go get loads of empty jars if I haven't got anything to put in them? But see, through this, what was she doing? She was admitting her need. Sometimes in the Christian life, it's hard for us sometimes to come to the place where we acknowledge that we are spiritually of, of need. And Scripture says here that she obeyed, doing just as Elisha instructed her, right down to the last detail. See, very often, miracles in the Old Testament particularly, in Scripture, they broke out as an act of obedience. Miracles and breakthroughs came about because of an act of obedience like this widow. When we look at the Old Testament, God told Naaman. Remember Naaman in the Bible? God told Naaman to go bathe in the river seven times before he got healed. In the New Testament, you remember when Peter and the disciples are out and they caught nothing all night trying to catch fish. And then they come into the harbor and Jesus looks at them and says, what have you caught? And they say, buzzword, nothing. We've caught nothing. And then he tells them, go cast your net over this side. And what happens? They obey the word of the Lord and the catch comes. The miraculous catch comes. Often if we want to enter into that miracle territory, we've got to get used to obeying the word of the Lord. Amen. And so Elisha tells her, first of all, I want you to go out to the neighbors, but this is what I want you to do. Make sure that all the jars are empty. It doesn't matter what shape they are, what size they are, what color they are, whatever it is, they must be empty. Now, these jars, of course, that she was collecting must have been, you know, round ones, small ones, tall ones, uh, colored ones, whatever they were. All of them had to be filled. But what did they all have to have in common? They had to be empty. Now, why was this so important? I think the scripture shows us that it's important because God can only fill empty vessels. God can only fill people who acknowledge their emptiness before him. 
God says to us today, where are the empty vessels? God says to his church today, he says to this generation, where are the empty vessels that want to be filled? Amen. Are you someone who is ready to be filled today? Because we could take this story and we could say in a nutshell that no empty vessels means no miracles. But where there are empty vessels, there are miracles. Your body, your life is an empty vessel. It's a vessel that needs to be emptied of everything so that God can fill you, so that God can use you, and so that God can meet every one of your needs that you have. And so this widow is about to discover what God can do with an empty vessel. What God can do with a seemingly nothingness. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, uh, reading a book that I uh, wrote, or not wrote, wish I wrote it. <laughs> but um, I was reading a, a book of our associate ministers, uh, Bruce Atkinson's book on Land of Hope and Glory. Love that book. I encourage you to get a hold of it. It's about history of British revi- uh, revivals and um, in the British Isles. Land of Hope and Glory, and it tells of of William Booth, uh, who was someone who founded the Salvation Army, of course, Salvation Army that we see today. And when General William Booth was uh, in his 80s, he was asked the, the secret of his success, how he was able to build a worldwide organization in such a short period of time with limited resources. And here's what he said in his exact words. He said, I will tell you the secret. God has had all there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London in my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with them, I made up my mind that God, amen to that, that God would have all there was of William Booth. And if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army today, It is because God has had all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Isn't that powerful? What happened? God found an empty vessel and he filled it. So what happens next? This widow has collected all of the jars. And Elisha then gives us some some other strange instructions. Already he has told her, you know, what's in your house? Second of all, he sends her out to to her neighbors. I mean, imagine that if God sent us out to our neighbors, you know, asking for a load of containers. It would be a little bit embarrassing, wouldn't it? Especially if we had to, of course, explain that we don't have anything to fill it with. But anyway, here she is. And Elisha gives us another strange instruction. Scripture says, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you. And your sons, then pour the oil into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. In other words, she was told to do three different things. Firstly, she was told to shut the door, then to pour out the oil and to fill the vessels. See, if you haven't already noticed in these scriptures, just watching the way Elisha worked with the widow, you'll see that sometimes God's commands don't really make sense. Have you noticed that? It goes against our logical mind sometimes with the way that God does things. But here's what I want you to see today. that There was no debate with the widow. There was no dispute. There was no disagreement with this woman. She did exactly what God had told her to do. And I think this is the kind of obedience that God is after. Amen. God is after that kind of immediate obedience. 
that doesn't wait around to respond to the word of the Lord, but responds saying, yes, I will follow the word of the Lord. One of you, if any of you got children, of course we have one here, but um, how many of you have ever asked your children to do something and they said, just wait a few minutes? Ever had that before? Okay, I've had that a few times before. But how many know that that phrase, just wait a minute, is not just sometimes procrastination, it's disobedience. How many know that? Okay, maybe I'm just the only one. But when this woman did what she was told to do, it was an act of faith. She obeyed what God was telling her. She believed that God would keep his word. And so what did she do? She obeyed what Elisha told her. She went home. She shut herself up in her house with her two sons. She shut herself in with God. In other words, you can sometimes hear the word of God, maybe like we are today. But only you can shut yourself away with God. If we are to keep the oil flowing in our lives, then we must recognize the fact that there will be those times where we must be shut away with God. Amen. Away from the noise and away from the distractions so that we can be shut away with him and obey his instructions. And so Elisha instructed her. She began to pour the little oil that she had into the jars. And I'm sure even up until this point, as she was pouring that oil into those jars, she was thinking to herself, I wonder if there's going to be enough oil here. When's the oil going to run out? Is there going to be enough? Imagine what was going on in her mind. But as she began to pour the oil, as she kept on pouring, the oil kept on flowing. The jars were being filled. It reminds me of the story uh, in the New Testament where Jesus feeds the 5,000 or more like the disciples did because Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I want you to take those few loaves and those fishes. Remember the story? He says, I want you to take what you have and I want you to feed the thousands. And I can imagine if you probably us would respond the same way, we'd probably look at Jesus thinking, you know, are you crazy, Jesus? Look at me, the thousands of people you want us to feed. You know, loads of thousands of people with just a few loaves and fishes. But you see, Jesus was just trying to get them to use what they had. For some of us, God wants us just to recognize what he has given us. And in this story, somehow the disciples, as they continue to obey what Jesus told them, the bread and the fish never run out. It was as they obeyed that God supplied. It was as they went that God brought the provision. Sometimes in our Christian life, I don't know about you, we sometimes pray or we, we act with a mentality that says, God, you show and then I'll go. Anybody done that before? Yeah? Prayed that before? But I think with God, very often, sometimes, if we want to see a miracle happen, God says, you go and then I'll show. Very often, God works in re reverse ways that we think. But some of you here today, you may be asking yourselves, just like maybe this widow here, how do I keep the oil flowing? Some of you in recent months and weeks, maybe at the end of your ropes in a spiritual sense, you've run out of resources, your own abilities. But to keep the oil of God's Holy Spirit flowing through our lives, this, we've got to have that, that spirit that says, I'll obey everything that God tells me to, to do. And so the woman in this story, she shut the door, she's pouring the oil. 
And Scripture says in verse 6, if you will look there with me, that the oil stopped flowing only when there was not another empty jar left. I love what uh, this Bible preacher called Alexander McLaren said. He said, God keeps giving himself as long as we bring that which he can pour himself into. And when we stop bringing, he stops giving. When we stop bringing our lives before God for his fresh infilling and relying on our own resources, eventually we will run out. Eventually we will dry out. And we wonder sometimes maybe where we come, we, we, we're not so enthusiastic about life anymore. We, we're not so enthusiastic about ministry or, or, or serving and, and making disciples. What happened? You ran out of oil. How do we keep the oil flowing? We recognize our inadequacy without God. We recognize that we've got to be shut away with God. We've got to do what He directs when He says it. Just for a few moments, I just want to focus your attention on this oil that we read of. Because you see, this oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the truth of this story is that God wants to give His people, wants to give you and I an abundance of the Holy Spirit. How many are up for that? God wants to pour it out upon us. He wants to pour out this oil upon us. But consider the jars that we read about. What were these jars made of? Well, each jar was made of clay. And these jars represent people. These jars are talking about us today as believers. What does God want to do with those jars? He wants to fill those jars. What does He want to do with us? He wants to fill us and send us out. But you know what? God wants an empty vessel. That means sometimes you've got to be cleared out of all the the self stuff that we sometimes ride upon so that we can be freshly filled by God. Towards the end of the story, it says in verse 6 to 7, Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So they all ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons live on the rest. Isn't that powerful? Amazingly, this woman not just had enough for the debts that she had to pay off. She now had enough to live on. Imagine the relief and the joy that she was experiencing. Her and her sons were now not, her sons weren't going to be taken away anymore. God had intervened. God had interrupted the process. We tell you today that whatever Scenario you're going through, God can intervene in your process right now. God can intervene. Whatever you're going through, whether it's family, financial, whether it's work, God can intervene in your life today. God can break in by the power of His Holy Spirit. But you see, this scripture shows that the only reason she ran out of oil was because she ran out of vessels. And this is so significant because there was no limit on the amount of oil. There's no limit to God's supply. God's always giving. He's always pouring. He's always investing his, his, himself in us. The only limit was the number of vessels. You know what that means? You can have as much of God that you want. You can have as much of God that you make room for in your life. Amen? The only limit was the number of vessels. If the widow had brought a million empty vessels... She would have gone away with a million full vessels. 
What does this mean for us today? As you pour yourself out, as you give, as you serve into people's lives, as you uh, make disciples, that's when God comes in. That's when God does a miracle. That's when God does a wonder. When you pour yourself out, when you give and when you sow, when you continue to do that day after day, month after month, year after year, it is impossible for God not to do anything. Amen? It is impossible for, for you to keep on sowing and to keep on giving and to keep on pouring your life into someone else and God do nothing. God is the one who always supplies our needs. God is the one who always comes according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. Peter, if you could come and play the keys. This story teaches us that we are the jars. How many are jars here? We are the jars. We are the jars that need to be filled. The oil is the Holy Spirit. Without the anointing, without the oil of the Spirit, we are empty and we are useless. But God wants to pour His fresh anointing on us. Amen. God doesn't want us just to rely on a past anointing that was maybe relevant many years ago. God wants us to have a fresh anointing for today. There is fresh oil for you today. And so this is a picture of how, of many in in the body of Christ, I believe it's a prophetic picture of how many of us have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We've been saved, we've had our sins forgiven, but somehow in our Christian life we're running on empty. And we need a fresh infilling of the oil of the Holy Ghost. We are God's machinery. The oil of the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily flow on structures and programs, it comes upon people. The oil of the Holy Spirit flows upon us. You are the vehicle to change your environment, to change your culture, your workplace, college, school, wherever you are. But you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In this story, the vessels failed before the oil did. Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher, the Prince of Preachers, said this. He said, our powers of receiving will give out long before God's power of bestowing. So long as we have needs, we shall have His supplies. Amen. But you would imagine something with me this afternoon. Imagine a wick that is placed in oil. And then it's lit. Well, if the oil runs out, the wick burns. But as long as there is oil, the wick doesn't burn. As long as we are living our lives in dependence on the Holy Spirit, we won't burn out. The question for us here this afternoon is this, what's burning? Have you come to the end of your resources, the end of your abilities? Because if you had, you're a perfect candidate for God to fill today, amen? We need the precious oil of the Holy Spirit. You need Him to live. You need Him to serve. You need Him to minister. What fuel are you running on today? Let's stand today in the Lord's presence. In a moment, we're going to sing a song, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. 
But I feel there may be some people here today that um, there's a scripture in the Psalms, I think it is, but it says that God pours out the oil of gladness instead of a spirit of despair. And there may be some of you here today that um, you've lost your joy. You've lost that gladness. You've lost that laughter. You used to laugh, but you lost. You lost it. God wants to revive it in you today. Allow the Holy Spirit to rekindle that within you, that joy, that well of joy, laughter, freedom. Some of you here today are, you come with a sense of worthlessness. You say, I've got nothing. I feel worthless. I believe that I've got my, my life doesn't have any value. Again, you are a candidate for God today. God says you have worth. God says you have value. And what He loves to do is He loves to take someone who feels like they got nothing. He loves to take someone who feels like they're worthless. And He loves to breathe life upon them and make them worth something. God wants to do that in you today. And in your own way, why don't you just respond to the Lord? Maybe it's just an open posture of lifting up your hands to God this afternoon. And say to God, I want the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit to come upon me today. Say to God this afternoon, I need your oil. I need the anointing. I'm not satisfied with what you did many years ago. I need a fresh touch of the anointing upon my life today. I need it for today. I need it for tomorrow. King David said, he said, He anointed my head with oil. His life forever changed from that moment. God can bring that change in that moment for you today. Spirit of the living God Fall afresh on me, Spirit of the Living. Fall afresh on me. Go ahead, sing it to the Lord. Fill me up. Fill us, Lord, afresh. Fall afresh me. Sing it from your heart, from the depths. Spirit of the living. From your heart, from your depths. Fall afresh today, Lord. 